What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Today, we've got a really epic interview lined up. I've got Turner Novak, a partner at Gelt VC and chief meme officer on the line. Turner, what's up? Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, great to have you. So you've been on HyperChange a couple times and we've talked about Snap, but I feel like I'm almost like, like we haven't covered enough because you cover, you know, you're a VC, you do startups, you cover all these amazing public companies. Um, and I've really seen you blow up on Twitter with all these amazing content and posts. And we were just talking offline about kind of your strategy with how you disseminate this content. Cause I know I bugged you to do a podcast, but now you've really found this niche of like Twitter threads and, and your newsletter um, and are kind of becoming this Twitter VC influencer. And it's been so, so cool to watch. Um, so I kind of want to dive into like a lot more than snap in this interview. And I, I thought it would be perfect to kind of start with your intro of like, you know, how did you get into like putting all this crazy content on Twitter and like getting into that world? Yeah, I mean, I think it started from I, I I really wanted to get into VC, but I was like the worst possible candidate if you're looking at a resume. And I, ha I had all these thoughts anyways, but I just like wasn't really throwing them out at all, right? And I had talked with friends in like group chats or like we'd like FaceTime talking about stuff. And I just kind of thought, why don't, if I, if I want to be good at this stuff and want people to know, like, I'd be good at being a VC, everything that goes into that, you know, I was trying to get a job in venture. I was like, I'm just going to start doing the job. I'll just start writing and tweeting about this stuff. And I just kind of started doing it and just kind of figured things out as I went. Um, and I kind of thought that my kind of niche was, you know, I really like investing. I love in investing not only in startups, but in the public markets too. And I just thought there was a kind of a hole of like people who understood all of it, like people who understood, you know, I'm not going to say I'm an expert in early stage startup growth, but can like appreciate and understand and, and sort of sympathize with, can't empathize, empathize because I've never been a founder, but can kind of really understand when people have something. But then I also can say, oh, you know, I can look at a company that's worth a hundred billion dollars and just like figure out if I think it's worth a trillion instead of a hundred billion or like trying to understand kind of the financials of a company that it's not a startup anymore, right? It's a business that's cash flowing or, or doesn't look like it's cash flowing right now, but will in two years and the stock price is going to inflect. Um, so it was kind of the intersection of all those things. And I just kind of started writing about things that were in the intersection of that. So, you know, companies who they were a startup five years ago and now they're a hundred billion dollar publicly traded company that's interesting to founders who want to do that themselves. It's interested to other people in the startup ecosystem that are investors like angels and other VCs who want to co-invest or follow on to the companies I'm investing in. And that's also interesting to people who say you're a hedge fund PM and you know, you're looking for companies to invest in or short and you're like, Oh, I appreciate how Turner thinks about things. You know, he's, he was talking about this company that he invested in. I'm going to take a look at it or maybe, you know, maybe I'm just putting something on their radar or they're like, Oh, you know, all things considered, I was thinking about shorting, but I appreciate and respect Turner. So like, that's one of the things I'm going to like not go after his company. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It was kind of like, it was an intersection of all those things and I just started doing it and I, people liked it. So I just kind of kept iterating on it as I went. Yeah, dude, you've been, you've been crushing it. And I love what you said there about the public and private market overlap. Cause that's something I always believe, like whether you're a fast growing technology company, like it, your operations and your tech and your product and your founder, it doesn't matter whether you're public or private. Like we're doing the same homework, analyzing these businesses and their market and the potential. So I'm always so confused if everyone's like, are you a public or private investor? It's like, I do both. Like I invest yeah. in a great company, whether they're public or private, you know? So I love yeah. that you do that. And you've had a couple really like kind of viral, you do these like incredible deep dives on your newsletter too, 
which are fascinating. And I want to uh, take a moment to, to do talk about one, which I even set out in my newsletter as like a blurb for Patreons. I was like, you have to read this thing on TikTok that Turner put out. So, um, and it's incredible. And you're even telling me like people, you know, all these big people who worked at those companies have contacted you about it. But um, I just thought that was fascinating. And you even have a TikTok that's been like blowing up and you do these hilarious like VC like interview TikToks, which I just I, like startup VC. I didn't even know startup VC TikTok was a thing. I think you invented it or like, <laughs> but, but, you know, so, so what's your story with TikTok? Like you, you came in as like a business analyst. And then after that, you were like, wait, like maybe I should start doing content on TikTok too. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I first started using it when they, when ByteDance acquired Musical.ly, you know, they bought, they were valued at $75 billion, bought it for a billion. I'm like, <laughs> why is this Chinese company that I've only briefly heard of before buying musically like for a billion dollars? It doesn't make any sense. And you know, I kind of followed it. And then when they rebranded as TikTok, I was like, I, you know, I follow a lot of the sort of consumer social space. And I was just like, oh, I got to play around with this. I got to understand it. So I started using it. And like the first day I was like, you know, I was like, holy crap, this product is like very good. Like you know, and I just kind of kept following it and I, I just started tweeting about it. And I was just like, you know, TikTok's like my sleeper pick to be the most valuable social company in five years. Here's all these things I'm watching and, and following. And I had always meant to write a really long post on sort of what I thought about it and why people should pay attention to it. And, you know, then I got into VC, what was a VC was investing, fundraising, doing all the other VC stuff and just writing a really long post on TikTok is just never on my high on my agenda. And so then, I'm, I'm curious, like you said, you, you like saw these early warning signs from TikTok where you knew it was going to be the biggest social network. Like let's unpack that. Like what were you yeah. seeing that got you so hyped early? Uh, so kind of the, the big thing was the first time I used it, I was like, okay, this is basically Vine. Like the, the product was Vine back then, you know, it was basically people doing lip syncing dances, which, you know, that's, that's the TAM they were in when they were Musical.ly. That was kind of their audience and like the, how valuable the company could be. And it was really but, young at first with Musical.ly. Like it was like, months. you know, people yeah. 10 years younger than me, like 12, 14, 15, it seemed like. So yeah. that's why it kind of flew under my radar and a lot of people's, I think. Yeah. And then, and then I started using it and I, I first off, I was like, this, so this is actually like kind of fun and like I'm getting something out of it. And it wasn't because the kids dancing, it was because there was, they started layering in other forms of content um, and kind of the very early days, it was like Vine where they got into a lot of humor and just like sarcastic irony, which is the language of teens and, and Gen Z right now. So mm -hmm. you know, they take some of the, the, the lip syncing dancing and they would parody them and, or they'd like, you know, do an ironic duet video beside it. And it was funny. And then the rest of the app kind of evolved around that where it just started turning into Vine. And, you know, I kind of, the more I use it, you know, over the course of like a week, like I wasn't even seeing the dancing anymore and the lip syncing. It was just like ironic memes as videos and just like people joking around and messing around. And then I started seeing, you know, things like how to art videos, you know, painting or interior design, check out these cool things I found on Amazon. Um, you know, crazy story in sports, check out Matt Stafford and his amazing comeback. Like it was just all these different videos and pieces of content. I was like, man, this product is insane. Like, I don't understand why more people are not talking about this. And I think it was masked because what they did, which is everyone knows about this, they dumped a ton of money into ads and the data didn't look that good because they basically blanketed the world in advertising. So like they literally hit 
every single person <laughs> like that used any that used the internet with ads to download TikTok, and a lot of them did and converted, but the retention wasn't the great the greatest. I mean, I think in the beginning, first couple of months, it was like five, ten percent, which isn't very good. That's not seventy-five billion dollar publicly traded company good. That's you know that's usually when the VCs like turn off the spigots and stop funding you because it's mm-hmm. just not it's, it's the ROI isn't there. But what I think people miss is that that was on a base of hundreds of millions of people and they attracted a core audience of 30 50 100 million people that just kept growing and getting bigger so the retention looked really bad but it was actually on a huge base of people and they basically hit the base of anyone who'd be interested in what the app currently is those are the people on it and musically went from a couple million daus to suddenly to tiktok had 10 20 30 in the us i think now they're at a point I think it's like 50 or 60 million DAUs, something like that. Wow. And then about a hundred million MAUs, which that's a hundred million MAUs in the U S I think Instagram's around 120. snap is around 110 ish. Um, so it has the same sort of like scale now in the U S um, and kind of the, the other really big thing about it was that it was all short form videos. And you really think about what was the sort of like, what's the big value prop of Instagram now it's stories. Like that's why people use it but the way that Instagram works, like you're basically recording things as a, so kind of stepping back the way that story started was on snap where you're sending a message, you send something for 10 seconds, or it's just a picture you send it and then you layer on other stories into it. So it's just like this playback of all these different stories that you've layered over top of each other. Instagram, it was smart. They copied it, but they made it exactly the same. Snap had these constraints of we're a messenger. Our stories product is an evolution of just tacking on one extra button to send a message to Galley to instead put it to your story. And Instagram just copied that UI and just the whole sort of short form video product that they built was all around this stories format and TikTok, which they weren't the first to do this. There's a couple other companies like Mindy is, is sort of the, uh, initial company that did this first before musically copied and did it better. But it was basically mm-hmm. just, there's no constraints on the format of the short form video. It's just, we give you a canvas to make any sort of short form video. It's, there's no constraint about how you're sending a message to someone. So just the canvas was a little bit better. And and it's so easy to create. That's what really, you know, I made a couple TikToks for fun to play around with it. And it's like, yep. you open it up, you're either just blasted with content and scrolling down, or it's really easy to tap and create. And like the editing and the way you record it, like it was almost the most fun I had making content on any app, like Twitter, Instagram, it feels a little too stressful for Twitter's not fun. <laughs> you know, it's not easy to like, just the way they made it so frictionless to create and consume content. That was really what impressed me was like the frictionless of the creation and consumption on TikTok. Yeah. And no, they I were seeing like crazy engagement too. That was the other thing I, I kind of was like picking out before is like, I don't think we've ever seen an app that went like, okay, zero people are using it to like, wait, now it's like tens or 20 or 30 million. It was like 30 minutes a day. Like, like the engagement, like catapulted to like Instagram levels seemingly overnight. It was, it was beyond. Yeah. It was like more than Instagram and snap. Um, and it's, it's on par with YouTube and really what it became was it's the mobile YouTube. So you really think of YouTube, how it's optimized. You're putting this video on YouTube, you're recording it on a desktop, you're editing it on a desktop, nothing about the creation process or really the viewing process is optimized for mobile, right? Like, dude, you're telling me, that's what I do all day. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe somebody twists the phone to watch a YouTube on their phone, like vertical, but it's like, or horizontal, but just watch on your computer or your TV with like YouTube on your TV. Like, so there's basically a hole for just really good 
short form video on mobile and, and snap kind of hit that with discover yep. Snap basically snap was ba snap discover is basically quibi with a messaging product for you for free user acquisition um, and and like they, they kind of hit this like premium content but there's never just this ugc youtube for mobile and that's basically what tiktok became and they filled that hole and you think about who are the best creators on tiktok it's the 15 year old kid who is on his phone 16 hours a day <laughs> and they live on their phone and that's their their medium and they made it super easy to create on on mobile too so wow they, and and so i know you're the snap bull and so the people who don't know you like went all in on snap and we have a couple old podcasts when everyone hated snap and i was kind of like it's interesting i like spectacles and i found this one guy on twitter turner who loves it and has like these twitter threads of just insane research about how they have much young people on his instagram and it's you know and you were you totally nailed that and not even like analyzed it like you were talking about how you put your some of your ira into it i remember on hyperchange so like very impressed with that so you're a huge yep. snap bull and like really understand the company so i'm curious of you know snap's been crushing it they user growth has been really good their revenue's been good they're turning around their financials but like you're saying all of a sudden TikTok is looking like a better discover and to me i see like in just anecdotally i feel like TikTok they definitely blew up you know they're almost as big as snap overnight so they're kind of like gaining traction faster so how do you from us from if you're evan spiegel right now what do you think of TikTok and how are you positioning i think it is it's awesome for snap because i really don't think TikTok is they're a competitor in terms of ad dollars but i don't think they're necessarily as big of a competitor on capturing time spent and like intention from consumers and, and kids and teens and sort of people under the age of you know a certain cutoff is it is for Instagram. Like you really think about why do you open Snapchat? Most people who open Snapchat don't do it because they're bored and they want to go to discover. They do it because they got a message or they want to keep their streaks going, or they maybe got a notification from a show on Snapchat discover that they subscribe to. And that's why they opened it with Instagram and TikTok. Usually, you know, with Instagram, with Facebook, typically you open it cause you're bored. Right. And like Instagram's like your go-to, but if the content on Instagram is, and I didn't really get into this at all, but in my description earlier, but if you're, if you're using Instagram, you, you probably have a lot of people that are your friends on there and you're, you're bored, you're looking for something entertaining. Like, I'm sorry to my friends, but the stuff on TikTok is probably more interesting than like an entertaining than just most of my friends content. And like, that's like the internet versus your friends. It's like, dude. Yeah. And, and TikTok has zero social graph at all. Like it literally, it will figure out that you love dogs who walk on one leg and balance things like on their nose. Like TikTok will somehow know that and just give you those videos. And like, like you'll get into this rabbit hole of like talking frog TikTok where you just see TikToks of like people oh like God. talking and pretending to be like voicing over. It's like the most random niche things you can think of. And and like as a consumer, you're like, oh, this is awesome. This is so cool. But like Instagram will never figure that out or get you into that because it's all about when you go into the short form video experience, it's stories, it's people that you follow. So maybe you follow Barstool Sports, you follow Hyperchange, you're seeing that content. It's great for you as a creator because it's your, it's your audience. You have, you know, 50,000 subscribers or followers who are always seeing your stuff. But then on TikTok, it's like, you know, if you're a creator, I think the example works best starting with Snapchat. So if you're Kim Kardashian, you're on Snap, you have, you know, 500,000, a million friends, you post something to your story, you know, a million people see it. That's cool. It's a vertical video on their phone. But if you're Kim K who also has a hundred million people on Snapchat, on Instagram, 
why are you wasting your time on Snapchat? There's no point in posting there. Post is Instagram stories. You have a hundred times more reach. But then you also say, what are you doing on Instagram, Kim K? Go on TikTok where there's no social graph and you can hit all billion users of the app. Uh, so wow. that's kind of, the, there's this really interesting value prop. So the social people. graph is almost, it, it used to be an advantage, but it's but almost it a friction now. now because it yep. boxes you into content. Um, exactly. And wow, that is insane because that, so for so long was the edge was that it kind of knows what you like. And now it's like, actually this random thing floating on the internet is what everybody's going to like better yep. than, you know, the virality is almost, it's almost like more pervasive than any language is like memes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And like, if you're a creator, like, let's say you go on TikTok, let's say you have, I don't know how many subscribers you have right now on YouTube. Uh, 116,000, I think. So if you go on TikTok and start making the same type of content, so how long did it take you to get 116,000 subscribers? Like five years, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like four time. years, like three years full time, like grind, you know, yeah. a grind. Whereas, and, and you know, your videos might get 5,000 views, 40,000, 100,000. You go on TikTok. You put something good out there, it'll get a million views, 50,000 people that follow you. There's no limitations. So they basically, they like rip out all advantages of having a social graph and they just, it's like a content discovery graph, like a content network. So, I mean, kind of digging into that, if you're a, like a consumer and you're like, I'm bored, what do you open first? Do you open Snapchat? Probably not when you're bored. You're probably doing it more for your friends. Instagram, maybe, but if you've discovered TikTok, you're like, I kind of want to be on TikTok more. Like, and oh, yeah. sort of the effect of, if you look at session lengths, I think Snapchat has the shortest average session length. And that's because you get a message, you either respond or don't do anything with it and you just leave. Sometimes it does work to get people into the other parts of the app. But you look at a session, a session length on an app like Instagram, it's about, I think it's about double Snapchat. And then you look at TikTok, it's like double Instagram. And that's because people just watch it and they don't really churn. They just get sucked in. You just keep seeing the stuff that's good that you want to see. Uh, anyway, it's so think, addictive. It's, yeah, and, and they we'll even have a video see. that's like, you've been scrolling for too long. Like it would show me that. Like you're scrolling for like an hour. You like lost all sense of time. It's like, it's dangerous, honestly. Like, <laughs> And one of the things that ByteDance uh, did, the company that owns TikTok, what they've done in China is it's the, the, the Chinese version of TikTok. It's called Douyin. They basically say, hey, we know you like gaming. Check out this ad or a video to jump into this game that is owned by ByteDance or this podcast or this long form streaming video. They have a, a product called Zigwa, which is called Watermelon Video. And it's basically Netflix for China. I don't know the recent stats, but they had like 50 million dailies, like a couple, uh, probably like over like uh, around a year ago. Um, but it's because they have this feed just like the Facebook feed, how the Facebook feed transitioned people into Instagram and the, the Twitter feed would also transition people into Instagram or into Vine or however else you think with that. Like they basically just take advantage of this feed that people are spending 80 minutes a day on and slowly put them into other products. Uh, so I think there's just a ton of different things by dance and TikTok could do and will do. Uh, and when you think about the monetization potential, like the, the videos on stories, Gally does some, some hyper change stories, things it's three minutes of, of clips back to back, whatever. Instagram can't really put an ad in the middle of your stories. You do a YouTube video. It's 20 minutes long or this one, like an hour long. There's maybe an ad somewhere. So in one hour, 60 minutes of viewing, there was 15 seconds or 30 seconds of ad space on TikTok, 60 minutes of viewing 
there's a freaking there's an ad slot after every single 15 second video just the monetization potential is going to be insane just from ads wow. and then they're also doing shoppable videos if you a lot of the popular content on tiktok is i mean i use my wife's tiktok it's basically entirely check out this new thing i found on amazon it's so awesome it helps you peel potatoes you got to get it and like like, like every video is like that yeah so there's yeah anyways there's just an insane Dude, amount sleeping well, inside and, of and you, right now. I like like speaking of all this crazy counterintuitive stuff that tiktok did one thing that i thought was really interesting was the allowing for export with a watermark you know everyone else is trying oh, to yep. keep their content in a walled garden and tiktok said no we're gonna make it super easy to just download this video put it on instagram That's twitter cool. you go on instagram reels still like 80 percent of the videos have the tiktok watermark and so yep. that was very it was another thing of like throw away the social graph let's just use viral you know let just let you download the video they did these kind of things that broke all the norms, but then led to their success. Cause to me, that was a huge thing is I just kept seeing TikTok everywhere. And it turned into this viral marketing campaign for them was the, the watermark and every viral video had started on TikTok. And after a while you're like, screw it, I gotta get it, you know? Yeah, like one of their big marketing strategies was just TikTok compilation videos on YouTube. It was like 10 minutes of just funny TikTok memes. And that's what's so funny is then YouTube and Instagram are like getting all this UGC from TikTok. And so they're like, well, we don't want to shut down. Our best performing content is a reposted TikTok video. We're not going to shut that down to lose traction. And so they're like forced with their hands tied behind their back to keep pushing TikTok in a weird way. Yeah. And I think... You know, I, I kind of come back. I think we maybe we mentioned Quibi either in this video or before we started recording, but Quibi just didn't have any of that. I think they didn't have the right kind of customer acquisition loops. And TikTok really led with the content. And like, you know, no one ever talked about, or maybe it was a part of like, they talked about TikTok, but it was also a lot of the grassroots stuff was just like, check out this freaking funny video. And it just happened to be on TikTok versus Quibi was like, download Quibi, like, like short form videos at Quibi, like check out Quibi, but no one actually knew what was on there. So people are like, people don't go to Quibi to like, to, to be a user of the app. They want to watch the content and they just, they didn't, I think that's kind of where they stumbled a little bit was they just, I don't think they advertised and pushed hard enough for the content and like sharing the content versus TikTok and ByteDance. If you really go back and look at what they do well, it's just being insanely ruthless about growth and literally growth at all costs, um, which gets you into trouble sometimes as a startup and as a company, but it scaled them up super quickly. Um, and they were, you know, I think they have a lot more tricks up their sleeve that they're going to do. So, yeah. And, and, uh, one thing I'm thinking now is like, what is TikTok's biggest weakness? You know, how do they quibby? Let's like, uh, and to me, yeah. it's that, it's Apple. It's that you're reliant on this third-party hardware. It's the greatest weakness that every single social company has is that they're reliant on this computer to touch their users. And that's why Zuckerberg's always trying to do a phone. That's why Bezos is trying to do a phone. That's why Google's always trying to do a phone. Um, In many ways, to me, Apple is in the most strategic position here as like, you know, um, and so I'm curious of, is TikTok going to launch a phone or, you know, how does this all, and that's kind of what I really wanted to have you on this podcast is like, how does this all evolve? I feel like we're at a really interesting crossroads of social of TikTok blew up it, they're trying to cancel it, but it's got the most traction. Like, it's just, I'm so like, what's next? I feel like we're in this kind of in-between phase, you know? Yeah. Well, I think everyone has a phone in the works. I mean, TikTok has one in in China. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's basically the ByteDance phone. It's like a lower-ish end Android where it basically pre-installs all the TikTok apps on it. So they're longer form video. And in China, they have like 50 different apps, like education, tutors, um, 
They have like a joke app, kind of like a Quora Q&A type of thing. They have long form video. They have Daoyan short form video. They have Taojiao, which was their initial first product, which is basically like the Twitter or the Facebook news feed with no social graph. They have a bunch of games. So anyways, they have like 50 apps and they just preload them on the phone. You know, it's, it's pretty simple, but there's a lot probably that they can do with that. It's early days for them. Same with companies like Snap. Snap has, has been rumored to have been working on a phone. Same with Amazon, same with Facebook. You know, they're all working on smart glasses. Um, so kind of tying back to your point is like, what kind of happen ne happens next? Well, you look at what, what WeChat and Tencent did in China. They did mini programs, which is basically apps that live inside of WeChat. Snap just, a la just launched their Snap minis, which are apps that live inside of Snap. It's inevitable. I mean, I feel like it would be foolish to not assume that Facebook is gonna roll it out over their whole portfolio eventually mini apps within Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, Messenger. We'll probably see it from TikTok, within TikTok, probably see it within YouTube, any of it, probably from Spotify, like any, any of these apps where you control a large amount of consumer time and attention, you got to monetize those. However you can, if you're a public traded company, you're trying to grow your earnings 20, 40% a year, you know, depending on where you are in the life cycle, it, it's a pretty interesting route to go. I think just the and that's why this battle between Epic and Apple is a lot bigger than people think because this is like day one of someone trying to build a platform on top of Apple and on and outside of the app store and get around it. They're all going to try to do it. And some of them will try to launch their own hardware. Um, and the thing I've always really thought was interesting about Snap is that you think about it from a risk reward standpoint, $20 billion company, and then you've got Facebook was $700 billion company maybe they have equal chances of, you know, both of them have like a 10% shot of actually building their own platform and their own hardware. Risk adjusted, valuation adjusted, the upside from Snap being able to pull it off is way higher than Facebook. I mean, Facebook, you go from being a seven or $800 billion business to a 200 billion, $200 trillion business. Snap goes from being, you know, 20, I mean, I think now it's like a $60 billion company, but you go from 60 billion to then being a $2 trillion company. I mean, that's like, 10x upside, 20x upside. Um, so I just think that there's a, a lot that, that's going to happen in terms of people trying to build platforms and build and sort of not be building platforms, but actually be building platforms on top of everyone else. And it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, I don't know how it's going to evolve. You know, I'm not that smart, but I know everybody's trying it. And there's going to be a lot of interesting things to to watch for both public market investors, but then also early stage investors who are investing in startups because the, one of the best ways to grow a startup is to grow on someone else's platform. So Snapchat and Facebook are perfect examples of that. Instagram, like they grew on top of the growth of smartphones. Like their whole business was built on growing on top of that iOS and Android like Play Store yeah. platforms. So we'll probably see companies who just grow and get 100 million users on top of SnapKit, which is Snapchat's developer platform. And we've already kind of seen it. There's Dude, you know... All right, sorry, keep going. No, go ahead, go ahead. Well, no, you just made this aha moment of like, who's the next great company to build all these apps with 100 million users? I think it's going to be Tesla and their app store. And yeah, it's taking them forever to inch across. They just crossed the million, you know, installed car base. That's a oh, lot of, really? yeah, and it's it's going to keep going. It'll probably be 2 million, you know, now they're doing two, 1 million a year run rate. Soon it's going to be 2 million a year. Like they're going to be a 10, 20 million, uh, you know, 
sort of active install base and that's not going away it's just going to keep growing and so you start to think about the potential of that elon musk has said they're going to open up an app store with 10 million so i don't know i love this idea of like tesla's the computer on wheels and it's so interesting how many trillions of market cap got created on this on all these social apps and then that's my biggest thing of tesla it's like okay we turn the car into a computer you know we digitize it how many apps and i think trillions of dollars of apps and and marketplaces get built on that whether it's uber eats or you know getting food or taking people around eating luber I don't know if social, I don't know if we're getting way far off track from social, but it's just so interesting of like, once these platforms get bigger, how do we let people integrate? And I'm thinking that Tesla world, that's happening too. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have any, cause you know, my, my, my audience loves Tesla. So I'm curious if you have any, like, you know, what's the biggest app built on top of Tesla? Cause that's, this is something I think about a lot about is the robo taxi kind of model and how that platform is really Tesla's whole business is just a Trojan horse to get to this autonomous platform business. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's probably the biggest one. I mean, I think it, phones and cars are different. Like you pick up your phone 200, 500 times a day. How many times do you get into your car? Only a couple. You know, you, pro- you do spend some time in your car, but your phone's probably in your hand. And like if you're in a self-driving car, you're, you might be using your laptop. Maybe there's you're using the Tesla dashboard, but it's like your phone's probably what you're using in the car. So it's almost, and then potentially, you know, everyone says we're going to have smart glasses eventually. So whether, you know, in 20 years, you know, Tesla has these computers on wheels, but everyone's wearing Apple glasses and Apple has the interface that's right in front of your eyes, right? Like Tesla tried to be the Trojan horse, but then but Apple's they, like- Apple snuck in between you and your car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that would probably be the the bear case, which maybe like, your, your audience doesn't hear that. As no, I love, I love this. I, I, I love what you're saying here. Cause I, I, you know, everyone's like, Oh, it's going to be the next Apple. But I'm like, you're right. I do pick up my, my this is a lot easier to carry around with me than my car. Yeah. I mean, maybe it makes sense for Tesla to launch a phone, right? Like, Oh, that's what I was going to say. Unless Neuralink gets their fat because Neuralink is really what's after the smart glasses, right? That's true. Neuralink beats the glasses. So Neuralink does. And I, I honestly, you know, I made videos like Apple's biggest threat is Neuralink. You know, Apple's out of business in 20 years because of Neuralink, is my opinion. You know, you don't, yeah. it'll look archaic that this is the chip instead of the chip in our brain. And it, so, you know, that's why I'm like, almost like, okay, now what do I think TikTok should do with 10 billion by Neuralink? You know, if I was TikTok, I, I, that, that would never happen, obviously. But like, it, that's most strategic move right now would be to buy Neuralink. But like, uh, you know, I'm really curious if you have any kind of predictions back to the TikTok and your kind of snap, your bread and butter consumer apps world. Uh, yep. You know, Snapchat's pushing big on augmented reality. We always hear that buzzword, uh, you know, with, I guess, lenses. Yeah. You know, that, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of curious, just where's your head at with, with what excites you in this landscape? You know, I, I, when I think about the, like the AR glasses is probably, you're, you got a phone, you have AR glasses is kind of like the next couple of rungs up. And, you know, I don't really put much weight on those being here anytime soon, right? Like, I say sometime between the next two and 10 or 20 years, like who knows when. Um, but I just kind of think about, does anyone actually use Facebook or Instagram lenses and are they sending them to their friends? Are anyone, is anyone building apps on Apple's AR kit and using them consistently? I mean, maybe Pokemon Go, but Pokemon Go, it's annoying to play with the AR features. Like you switch to the Pokemon background where you're like, you're not, it's not an overlay over the world. It's like, it's just a Pokemon background. That's what you're flicking at. And, and maybe there's some AR location-based characteristics. But I think Snap is really the only company where like, I mean, the stats are like average of 30 times a day, something like 100 and 
it's, it's like 70% of the DAUs use it 30 times a day. So you've got a hundred, I don't know what that number is lately, a hundred and basically like 200 million people every day, mostly early adopter teens, Gen Z's, young millennials in the developed world, which is where people have the most disposable income. Those people are all using Snap's products for AR like consistently. So you kind of think about who has the ecosystem being built. I mean, they have, they had about between Q1 and Q3, they had 600,000 new community lenses created. They were at 900,000 at the end of Q1. So I don't know, it's growth of like, I don't even know what that number is, 60% or something over the course of of, a qu- of two quarters, just wow. in the total base. So you have people building these silly AR lenses with rainbows barfing out or dog ears. People are trying to make games. People are trying to make utility. They're trying to look like apps. These, these AR lenses on Snapchat are basically apps. So when glasses do get here, whether it's in two years or 10, Snapchat has millions of apps ready so to go. So what do you mean the lenses an app? Because to me, I'm like, no, it's not. Just like makes my face look like a dog. How is that, you know, I don't know. How are you extrapolating that into like well, more? Yeah, well, does it, these, where does it go? Yeah, some of these lenses are games. Like you send them back and forth with a friend. I don't know if you've seen any of those. Or some of them you can like. It's like get the burrito in your mouth and you're like. It's like yeah. a Chipotle burrito or something, and you can like yeah, send this and some for of your them friend. are like some of them are like when you're in the screen, when you're in the camera screen recording it, you're manipulating and moving things around the screen. You can t- like some people will make things where like you tap a couple different buttons that change colors or like make something switch from a dog to a cat. Like these are basically apps that are in AR. Um, I don't know how I feel about you could probably make embedded email, right? Like I don't know if I'd use that. And like we've we've seen some of those crazy futuristic demos where somebody has AR glasses and there's like email and like using their hands to manipulate it like in front of them or whatever. But like that's essentially what this is. It's just very basic and dumbed down in the first step. So you're basically training people to use these. Uh, and whenever that time comes, I'm you know I'm just kind of saying that Snap is positioned to already have this ecosystem built and people are trained to use it. So oh. who do I think can cold kickstart this Apple? like this glasses ecosystem like maybe it's apple because they have the resources is it facebook i i don't know but like snap is in a good position right like they do it okay i'm so hyped because you're segueing me to my next point which is the um project hermosa the new i i'm like i i don't even like the snap app i never use the snap app but i love my spectacles that's like the number one thing that i need to go back to my apartment in new york to get is like my snap spectacles because i create with my face and i don't need my hands and if i was in my tesla with those Oh my God, I love that product. And so as a creator, like as a, as a, as a content creator. And so I'm so pumped for the new version to come out because they're supposed to have a lot more AR features. And I already used the last version and thought it was incredible as a creator. So I'm like, to me, there's something, you know, snaps. And that's why I said, TikTok making a phone, Instagram trying to make a phone. It's like this tool for not just consuming content, but really a, a, a hardware tool to make it easy to create content. I think is so fascinating because Apple's created the best content creation device and that's the biggest Achilles yeah. heel these companies have. So to me, when I see Evan Spiegel, this crazy product visionary, you know, 50 years ahead of everybody, he's so yeah. young, he's so forward thinking, like I, I love snaps out in the wild iteration of the glasses. And so like what you're saying, who's going to win the snap glasses, like this mode of like, let's sell a $400 pair to creator, not really try and market them because they did that. They didn't sell enough inventory recall, but like, let's kind of basically do a real beta. So I went to Snap's office and they took me in, shout out to Snap, it was incredible. And they like spent an hour with me to show me how these glasses worked. And like, they even hooked me up with a free pair and like, you know, they really took the, it was like a, 
it, it wasn't like this is a product to be mainstream that is here ready today. It's like, no, this is the future and we want to be on your creator's side because you need this and we're going to help partner with you and really bring it to market together. And it was, yeah. I, I've never, and I, I love that. So I'm really, that's a long rant of me saying I'm really pumped about this new iteration yeah. of the glasses that are coming out this holiday. I think maybe they got delayed, yeah. but with those AR features. So have you heard you know about the the new AR features in the glasses or you what like what are they going to do with that you know yeah I have no idea I'll be totally honest you probably know more about them than I do uh, I think that's like the long-term call option if you're buying into the company and like if you're if you're a, somebody who's following snap like that's sort of just it'll it'll happen eventually but it's probably not in anyone's DCF yet right so it's like <laughs> I love that if that's a 50 billion dollar line for the company like they do 50 billion dollars in revenue in 30 years from ar like nobody's putting that in their dcf so like that's it's a call option so um, so okay i got another rapid fire one how about this does tiktok launch a hardware product yeah i mean i think they'll probably launch a camera of some kind whether it's a phone focused on camera and creation like post right to tiktok from your camera or if it if it is glasses it's like record and post right from the glasses to, to your TikTok account. It, you know, it will probably be something like that. And they'll probably, I think Snap kind of messed up a little bit on this with just how they would have executed. I think TikTok would be every video that you export has a TikTok or the TikTok logo. You know, you it has automatically syncs up and like helps you dance or helps you create your content to the lyrics or whatever the audio is doing. Um, so that's what I would bet on them doing, whether it's a phone or, or glasses, it'll probably be a phone first. Or if it, or a literal camera, who knows? Gotcha. And so I want to wrap this up with the last kind of question ideas is a little bit more out there with the idea of that memes are really a new form of communication. You know, this thing that transcends language or the chief meme officer um, and like something that yep. Elon Musk had talked about with Neuralink is we're going to have a new way to communicate with like images and almost memes and GIFs sending each other through tele like you know, telepathy or whatever with our Neuralinks, and that'll be the new way to communicate. And I think that's so fascinating. There's so many insights to unpack there about how to think about social media that I'm really curious, you know, like, like, what is a meme? Like, like, why is this so powerful? And, you know. Okay. So essentially, what is a meme? Why is it so powerful? One, one random closing thought on Snap, just to, to move yes, on. Yes, yes. I think you look at what they're doing with gaming, Snap games, it, you know, there's about 200 billion spent on mobile games in general. It's kind of a whole new revenue revenue line for them. Basically, ties are into their advertising product. It's the same short form video that pops up. That's sort of like a more short term ish, mid term catalyst. Is the traction good on that? Because I know they announced it, but I'm not. I'm involved in the traction on games. Uh, I think 100 million people have played them. That's what they disclosed a while back. But it's still early. I mean, it's like a year in. Then they also have the Snap Map, which I think is super interesting. It's basically Google Maps with a social graph on it. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things you can do with that. You know, I think analysts have said Google Maps is a $5 billion a year revenue opportunity for Google. They're probably going to use it to launch their, their ride hailing product on. Uh, you can kind of think there's a lot Snap can do with this map that's tied to your friends that no one else has that same product and that kind of buy-in. Oh, and um, the news, like Snap Maps, like I've used it a couple times actually. Actually, the most value I've ever got on Snap, the app, is when I go some crazy shit's happening and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to pull up Snap and like zoom in on the map and watch the stories and you like, that, right? That's a really cool yeah. feature. And so you think about, you can probably monetize it with ads, just in, like, you know, map-based impressions. You can probably... You know, that's probably the easiest way to do it. You can probably monetize with transactions like a McDonald's on the map. Like you can order through Uber Eats and, and Snap gets a cut or something like that. 
Um, but you also think about the messaging side of the screen. No one's been able to figure out really how to monetize messaging. Snap kind of has with sponsored lenses. So I'll do a Taco Bell crazy lens. I sent it to a friend. Technically made money from messaging, but not necessarily viewing it. But on the map, you can message your friends and you can see them. So if you can slowly over time shift people from thinking about their default messaging screen is just the bars with people's names, switch it to I'm looking at a map. So I see where all my friends are around the city and I'm messaging Gally who's by his house, this other person down here, this other person down here, I'm messaging from the map. You can show ads and basically monetize what, however you would on a map and you can do that for messaging. Um, so I think that's probably like a medium term over the next five years, they'll probably start to do that. Uh, but just another opportunity. And then I think Discover too is, you know, they've just kind of just tapped into it. They have about a hundred million people watching Discover every month and Snap or Netflix has 70 or 80 million subscribers in the U.S. So they have more people watching Snapchat Discover in the U.S. than our Netflix subscribers. Caveat with many people share passwords on Netflix. So it's hard to tell, but it's super interesting. And you just kind of look at the, the ARPU, the average revenue per user for Snap. It's like 16 bucks a year in the US. Facebook's is about 190, probably closer to 200, 220 now. If you back out Instagram, which is probably about 30, 40% of Facebook's revenue, the monetization on the Facebook Blue app is like 140 a year per US user and Snap's at 16. Does Snap get to 140? ARPU in the US? Probably not, but does it get to 100? Yeah, probably. They basically clone Snapchat or Facebook's ad product. So you can probably 5 or 6 s 5 or 6x Snap's revenue based on where they're at right now. Dude, they could get to 50. This is a home run from a financial standpoint. Like Oh yeah. You know, what I mean not even 100. Like cuz the way we've seen the financial model turn, they're really close to just pumping out cash flow. And it's so interesting that TikTok is like this laser focused uh, you know, consumer app and Snap, the way you're describing it to me is almost like, you know, 12 startups in one, this Tesla analogy yep. you're using. They have exactly. a lot of little seeds. It's a much more bigger, more encompassing ecosystem. Yep. But I think we'll probably see TikTok potentially try to do something like that or what they will probably do what they did in China is they'll probably just have separate apps, like a long form app where instead of swiping over to get in Discover, you'll tap a button in TikTok similar to IGTV where it opens up mm. a separate app or pushes you to like watch it on your TV or something like the, the longer form video. That, that's probably the direction they'll, they'll go. Um, but anyways, yeah, I mean, Snap's basically building an operating system for whatever the next level of computing looks like, whether it's a Snap phone or it's glasses or whatever it is, like they're working on it, so. It's, a, it's the meme distribution platform. That's my theory. There's a, there's a two to $5 trillion platform that's being built on distributing and allowing us to connect with memes and GIFs. And it's like, is it going to be TikTok? Is it going to be Snap? Is it going to be Neuralink? I think those are all three competing. Zuckerberg's like in the back, like, let me in. Like, you know, the way he copied it with Reels. It's like, dude, I can't even I do think that. Reels is going to work, but it's not going to be kill. It'll be like Instagram stories where it doesn't kill anyone, but it, it keeps saves Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are not using Instagram as much or less or not at all, just because it's become kind of stale and, and fake and just boring. Like it's not as interesting anymore to a lot of people. People still use it to keep in touch with their friends in a way and, and follow celebrities. But it's like, it's keeping in touch with your friends is probably easier on Snapchat, depending on your demo. And following celebrities is probably more entertaining on TikTok. So it's like, they're in a weird spot. Um, I think if you look at the data, their rep, their user growth has been pretty stagnant. It's just been non-exciting. Like, they, you know, they've, they've had some couple bumps in the U.S., which is where all the money comes from. But 
haven't really been growing much more. So it's all about, can they introduce commerce and, you know, maybe Instagram, they do a hundred billion a year in revenue at one point, just from monetizing, buying an influencer's closet or their like weight loss tea that they're shilling and they're selling it D to C like, you know, and it's like through an Instagram post. Wait, wait, I I actually have one more thing that I forgot. I'm, the people are gonna grill me if I don't ask this. The the TikTok China thing. I'm I'm really fascinated by this. Like I've been to China. They ban all our social apps. Now yeah. we have this kind of like, what the hell even is the structure of TikTok? And just as someone who looks and thinks about the company, how do you think about that kind of geopolitical side? Because we, you know we can't ignore it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, from from that perspective, I mean, if you look at what's been figured out, you look at some of these executive court hearings that have been done on the app and on TikTok and ByteDance, like similar to how the US government has a backdoor into Facebook and Google, same thing over in China with ByteDance and TikTok. Um, you know, they claim there's a firewall, you know, it's, you can claim all you want, but there's probably things you have to be considering if you're the US government. Um, so I think it makes sense that they're pushing to spin it out. It sort of doesn't make sense, right? Like, First off, China bans us, our products, U.S. products from being in China. Kind of unfair, doesn't make sense. The U.S. is going to ban Chinese products from being in the U.S. What happens if now the European Union bans U.S. apps and bans Chinese apps from being in the, the EU? And then India does the same thing, bans all international apps. You have to be an Indian app. So it's a really slippery, slippery slope to get into. I think spinning it out i don't know if this is difficult to do because of all the ties internally but just rip it out make it a separate product outside of china and within the us have and, and, and basically ex china globally all the other territories and just have them be two separate products which they've kind of done which is completely rip tiktok out and make it a separate company i don't know how to do it but that's what i think is going to happen and i think it's just really complicated on an engineering side to do and I also think there's a lot of politics that have been involved in this whole thing. So, you know, that influences what happens too. Just another, another layer of the drama to watch. Oh yeah. I mean, I love it. I think what ends up happening is I just think it will get spun out. Like that's, that's what's going to happen. I just don't know how or what, or what the timing is. It just, you know, I think there's, you know, people invested ByteDance invested in, musically TikTok for a billion dollars and it's probably worth 60 billion now with the upside to be a hundred multi-billion hundred billion dollar company so like they're not going to let it die right um and then you have uh you know the current administration is all about putting on a show and whatever they do and this was a great show for them for a while so like so they focused on it and I think we'll just kind of see you know there'll be a bunch of political stuff that happens i don't know what's going to happen i just think it's probably going to be ripped out and kind of be a separate entity that's kind of the end game if i had to guess awesome well thank you so much turner uh i wish we had more time we could like keep talking for hours but i'm so thankful you let me record this and yeah. uh, just happy to catch up with you because it's always so fun so um I'm, everyone should go follow turner on twitter like one of my favorite twitter follows like you're blown up for a reason and people should follow you on tiktok because right uh <laughs> So thanks a lot, dude. At Turner Novak. Um, yeah, welcome on anytime. Cool. Thanks for having me. See ya.